So you cut through all this chain and you go right to the salesman who sells to the user. That's what I did. Today, I have Ron McFarland, right? Right. Scottish name. Scottish name. Ron, thank you for being here this oh, morning. Well, thank you for inviting me. I yes, appreciate it, Lance. Yes. Listen, I'd like to start off first by asking everyone, where were you born? I was born in San Francisco, California. Okay. You lived there all your life? No. All I your, lived I mean, there for two, at that time, a tune of six months, and then we moved into the Sierra Mountains. And I lived in Grass Valley, California from age six months to age about four. It's called Grass Valley? Yeah. I've never heard of that. You know Nevada Is City? Yes. Okay, it's near Nevada City. Okay. It's wow. going on Highway 8, 80, sorry, 80, uh, up to uh, Reno and, and uh, here again the Sierra okay. Mountains and Lake Tahoe. Right. Okay, I was a in a small town in my very, very early age. Wow. So, uh, so I lived there and I can still, I still have memories of living in Grass Valley when I was four years old. How many siblings do you have? Do you have siblings? I have a sister. Older I have one sister. She's older than me. How many years and difference? Uh, three years different. Did mom and dad stay together? No, and that's part of the story. At that point of four, my parents divorced. Okay. And my father, here again, he was working for Bank of America at that time. My mother and father met during the uh, World War II. Right. And my mother, interestingly, is Jewish. Okay. And she grew up in Miami, a Jewish community in Miami. But your father isn't Jewish. No, not but, at all. But that makes you Jewish because she's Jewish. Hey, yes, I hear that quite That's often. Right. That's yeah. right. That's well, right. Was she practicing? Did she ever practice? Uh, no, not really. She wasn't practiced, but her siblings did, and her mother, my grandmother, did very, very much. But anyway, my mother and my father get married, which is a trauma to the Jewish community. Because a he's Scottish guy. He's Scottish, from, right. He's Scottish yeah. from Missouri. I should say the name is Scottish. It, it goes into Russian and some other thing, but the name is Scottish. And actually, on a business trip, I found my town where my Scottish clan came from, wow. where the McFarland clan came okay. from. And that's, that's another story. But anyway, um, uh, my parents divorced when I was four, and I never really lived in the same town as my father. So you, nev on. you never knew him, really? I. As living, no. As living. I see but we were always in contact. He knew me. I knew him. He came by maybe once every month or two. Oh, so, you, so you did get to see So him, I was in contact, contact with, with him. him. We were never close. Interestingly, we both were, um, had, I don't know, his slant of business. And he, he's a banker. He worked for Bank of America for, a, I suppose, 50 years. I can't count the years. He, he, he was working for Bank of America when I was born, and, uh, and then he died at, I, uh, he uh, retired from Bank of America, I think it was around 68, something like that. So you can imagine all those years. And he was in the Army Res Air Force Reserves, too. Air Force Reserves, okay. So he was in the Air Force, and he met my mother in, in Miami, and he was uh, here again during the war, and the war had ended, they got married, uh, with, he had no reason to stay in Miami and my mother with the trauma within the family, the Jewish community, she, that's why when you ask the question, is she very, very religious? Judaism was painful for her. The, 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 
the trauma of following rules and such, for her community was quite painful for her. So in a sense you might say, not only she, did she move away, she escaped that community. And then they went to Missouri, and wound, then after that went to San Francisco, and that's where my father started working for Bank of America. Okay. And he's very, very good with numbers. Mm -hmm. So in the Air Force, here again, he was in the Air Force, he was mainly in administration and supply and, and asset control and such, and he did quite well. He retired as a full colonel. My wow, father that's retired. Neat, that's neat. So he did well, and he did well in Bank of America. How old was he when he passed? Uh, I suppose 83 or something okay. like is that. Is your mother still with us? Huh? Your mother, is she still with us? No, she's passed away too. Okay. She passed at 80, 86. Okay. So the only family really I have in America really, direct family, is, is my, uh, my sister in Sacramento. Okay. And then she has two children and such. Um, and I've got a few cousins around. But honestly, Lance, the family is here. The Japanese made it here family been here is for so here. Right. My wife's Japanese, and she is the youngest of four, and they're all Tokyo people, which is important because we can all get together. We're in Tokyo. Um, she was born in Tokyo? Yes. Um, mostly Bunkyoku. Bunkyoku, okay. Around Waseda University, okay. that's where the kind of the homestead is. Yes. And uh, the other children, they're pretty much in that area, in the Ikebukuro area and that area. And I don't know if you know, Takashima Daira. Okay. That area. Anyway, it's in the northern Daira. part. Now, I am living in the southern part. I'm in Otaku. Okay. And, uh, and I've been in Otaku now for 20 years. Before that, I was in Kawasaki, just over the Tamagawa River. I was there for 17 years, and that's most of my life in Japan. Most of my life has been... So, let's go, so growing up, tell me, as a little kid, were you more academic or were you more sports-minded? I was more sports-minded. Okay, what so kind I, of sports did you like? Baseball and football was my, my thing for... I was a terrible basketball player. <laughs> uh, I played tennis later on okay. uh, and did a little bit of jogging and a little bit of golf. I played golf. I played golf uh, a little bit until I came here. And then I played something like maybe five to ten rounds, and <laughs> then I gave up. So that's it. That's it. It, it just uh, you know too expensive, too far, and too much time consuming. Talk to me. So I just quit. Right. And, and honestly speaking, I wanted to go out with my shorts on and you know and, and do it the California the style, California yeah. style, and they're all <laughs> dressed up. Style. And right, the company right. tournaments and the company tournaments or for more strict, where you've got department heads teeing off first and then the, the youngerlings after that. And so I, that, was not, that was not fun for me, so I stopped doing it. What brought you to Japan? Okay, uh, your first uh, here, uh, here again, let me, let me just back up from, okay, from sure. um, yeah, I'll try to run through this. I was in a junior college in Sacramento. Mm -hmm. That's where I learned, uh, I was interested in business and I, I decided to go to a four-year college and I had to continue getting student deferments to stay out of the Vietnam War, remember? And so I decided to go to San Jose State. So I went into Silicon Valley area and I, and I majored in business management. And more important is the management than the business. I, walked, I wanted to talk, work with and motivate people to achieve something. And I know that the business community produces, as you know very well, more goods and services than any other, uh, how do I say, organization or any other foundation, any grouping. 
the business community really carries the goods and services for the whole world. And then you've got partial uh, philanthropy and then governments there play a big role but not like the business community. So that's why you, I think your father's the one that got you into business because he was a banker. You thought it could be part yes. of it and I always admired him from a distance in a way. I've always kind of admired him. Did he ever marry again? Pardon me? Did he ever marry again and have another family? Yes, he married again and uh, they had one child. It was married, it was one of those uh, the lady, the, the teller in the, ho okay. in the bank, she, he became interested in, and that's where my, my mother and my father separated, and she went off with this other lady, right. and they had one, one child. Did so your I mother ever marry sister. again? Pardon did, me? You, did your mother ever marry again? No, she never did. She never did. Okay. She was always single from then mm -hmm. on. And, and wherever my mother was, that was home. I hear and you. she went from, she worked for the government in Sacramento, and mm -hmm. that's the capital of the, so she meant, uh, worked for the government, and when she retired, she came and visited me. I had been in Japan all, already. She okay, but we're going to get up to, we have to get to how you came here. What brought you? Okay, right. What brought right. you here? Anyway, so and I went to interest? San Jose, getting back to right. San Jose. I went to San Jose, and I majored in business management. And in those days, Japan was J Japanese management and Japan number one and Japan QC circles and quality control and and the the Japanese were products well, you remember this in California the Japanese products are coming in and coming in and I started to get get interested in international business and so actually my father set up an appointment so I went up from San Jose to the, the, the big uh, Bank of America building in San Francisco, and he set up interviews for me. So we did not have a bad relationship. That's good. That's we just good. had a, how do I say it? Distant. A, a distant or thin <laughs> relationship. Uh, I, um, I know uh, uh, basically him and his personality, and, he, and he's more of an accountant type than I am. And you, you probably guess I'm more of a sales, promotion, uh, project development guy. Uh, I like sales, but I like sales development, not just selling something on the street. The development is more interesting, where I can figure out who needs what, who has what to offer, how can I bring the parties together. But, Lance, I want to do that globally. I want to do that internationally. That's what you so were where thinking. So where do I then? go? Right. So that's what, where I was in San Jose. That's where I was in San Jose. So I thought, um, yeah, I'm going to get into international business in my father's interviews failed them all. I just, I didn't have a master's degree at that time. They don't want anything to do with me. And, and they said, you can work in a branch and, and be, work in the banker. And gradually later on, and, and I, I didn't feel comfortable with that. And I didn't feel comfortable with banking either. Just the, the promotion of money, or basically what you're doing, you're selling time, really. When you, when you give someone a loan, you're giving him the time to have the money to use it and then you gotta pay it back later. So you're just giving him time. And that is kind of a boring product for me. Uh, so anyway, um, in San Jose, there's a very, very small Japanese community, very small. And so I started studying Japanese. This is after I graduated. I had student loans, so my, I, as I mentioned, I graduated with a with degree in business management and my first management job was an assistant manager for a, a department store called F.W. Woolworths. I'm sure you remember F.W. It's long gone now. 
long bankrupt now, but anyway, I was hired into one of their branches as a branch assist a manager. It was a trainee, and then I became assistant manager. During that time, I'm really excited about watching products coming into our stockroom from all over Asia. And then, of course, I would put it on the shelf, and we would promote it, and it would sell in, in my area. And that was right in the center of Silicon Valley. It's Los Gatos. I don't know if you know Los Gatos. I know Gattis. Los Gatos, yes. From Los Gatos, it's, uh, for example, from San Jose to Santa Cruz, right in between. But anyway, I was there for a year and a half, and that's where I thought, gee, this, I, I've, people have thought I was crazy being more interested in the stock room than out meeting the customers. And I like working with the public, too. So I was out meeting the customers, and I found it a, a heck of a playground. I enjoyed working with the public. I really enjoyed working with the public. And that was the first time I realized, too, I'm good at management, particularly, it's strange, this is going to come, come out funny particularly managing women. Why women? And I thought about that is because I've always grown up with women. That's right. Your sister and I have And I have one sister and one, uh, and my mother, of course, and the three of us grew up together. And I came to Japan. I get married, obviously, to a woman. What do we have? We have two daughters and I have two granddaughters. So I am, let's say, incapable of producing boys and I've always lived with women and I tell people I'm not a you know I'm not promiscuous or anything like that but I've always kind of turned into a big brother and in a business environment you're helping people achieve things and and, and I tend to do that so I I noticed I was interested in in I, I, I was good at management and such but I wanted to do this globally and so where do I go and in those days, you look at the numbers, huge trade numbers between Japan and the United States, particularly our area, California. Huge amount of influence. And so I talk about, well, I want to study international business. So they're offering French, and they're offering German, and they're offering Spanish, and that, all the Western languages. And I thought, that, that's, not, not really, that's not really me. I, because the business really is in Asia, and you look at the numbers, you look at the future, it's going to be more and more Asia. So the Asian suppliers are going to be impacting the uh, United States more and more as time goes on. So that's where I wanted to be. And, which, and I was thinking between Chinese and Japanese at that time. I studied Chinese and Japanese, and I thought China, and of course China was an extremely communist strict, it was a closed country, mm -hmm. so they were kind of out of the picture. That's not true today, of course, as you know. But, but in those days, China was, China was really out of the picture. Um, but I remember at that point, I started studying Japanese. And I studied about three years before coming here. I studied for three years before coming here. And then, um, uh, while I'm studying it, I learned of an English teaching job in Japan that I could come here. And that is my gateway to Japan. Okay. That led me to Japan. What was the program? Was that, was that the JET program? Or it was just no, it someone, how did you find out about this? Uh, actually, it was interesting. It was through my mother, a friend of hers, just came back to Japan, and he said, I taught English for a year, and I have to find my replacement. So he, inter uh, he introduced me to his little school, and it was not some huge national thing. 
uh, like a, a jet program or anything. It was a simple English to... Where in, was it located? In Utsunomi, in Tochigi Prefecture, in north okay. of here. So I went, uh, my first job in Japan was was um, was in Tochigi Prefecture. And here again, Lance, what I wanted to do is I wanted to get into the Japanese business community, either from the American side or the Japanese side. The American side, I needed degrees and I needed a lot of things to get in a large corporation. The smaller companies in the United States really had nothing to do with, with the foreign community or foreign business or anything like that. I think that. at the time, what year was that that you came here? 76? I came here in 1976. 1976. So that was the bicentennial year of Biden. Of course it was, yes, because I was at the American, I just, let me see, 77, I started at the American school 77 to 80. But that's when bankers were here. The banks were really setting their foundation at that time when you came. So the big banks were here because I knew the president of Bank of America and those guys because they had kids at the American school. So that was what was happening at that time. Then after that, then you started having some medical companies were getting in. GE came in. A couple of the medical companies were trying to Pfizer come in. Pfizer was here. Pfizer was here. Well, the yeah, pharmaceuticals had gotten here. They'd been here for a while. But anyway, so you came here then. Did you go back? How long did you stay? You stayed from that time until now? Mm -hmm. You've never gone back? You've never... To live? No. To live. When's the longest you've ever been away from Japan since you've been here? Two months. Wow. You got me beat. So after you had the job of teaching English and you wanted to get into business, where was your first job outside of that? Okay. Um, I worked here again. I worked in Utsunomiya. Uh, for one year. Teaching English, right. And then I came into Tokyo. And actually, I didn't, I didn't even, I hardly knew Tokyo. Uh, but I came in, I learned of a graduate school program here. And, so, and that was Sophia University. So I studied international business at Sophia University. They had this small campus for Florida? Yeah, a small campus at Ichigaya. Ichigaya, It's not right. the main campus. That's right. It's somewhat moved from that. But so anyway, and I, what I did is when I left that little uh, teaching job in Utsunomiya, I had people that liked me, so they would continue to want to uh, learn from me, so I continued teaching them. So I got a little tiny apartment in uh, Akabane, Kitaku, uh, Kita Ward. Okay. Um, but anyway, so I got a little apartment, no bath, just a room and such. So I was going to the Cento, the public bath, public every, bath. every, and I, and that was something. That was an experience that has brought me today. You know, I've been on TV a bunch of times. You've been all over Cento. Cento is around the country, uh -huh. but anyway, or not Cento, Onsen, sorry. Onsen but anyway, I, I was going to the bath every night and going to graduate school every day and then teaching English around Tokyo as well as going to Utsunomi every week. I would go on a Friday night and teach English that evening and then Saturday morning, teach a few more classes and then come back to my, my home in Utsunomi uh, in, in, um, in uh, Akabane. And interestingly, the, the Sento experience led, made me understand. The first thing, us Californians, we can't believe that a woman walking out of a bath with no bra on in the middle of the, let's say, eight or nine o'clock at night, and there is no problem. 
No, yeah, wait, no problem. That's right. But, but I was going to say, us it would be a horrible problem. But in your generation, no, not your generation, because that's when the hippies came and they were walking around with no bras. Don't forget. Well, <laughs> in, in my a school, way, what are you talking yes, about? Yes, what are you talking about? What I'm trying to, <laughs> yeah, yeah. What I'm but you say with no problems. That's right. No problem, crime wise. Right. They no didn't problem. do. They they did that on campuses right. and in certain areas. Girls didn't have bras on. And our our generation that. started that. They took their bras off. I remember and that. Well, what I'm trying to <laughs> what I am <laughs> trying to say is, I felt a sense of relaxation that I don't remember. That's all I'm trying to say. Well, I understand what you're saying, and uh, also this this relaxation. So I feel somewhat relaxed, that's where right. I was always concerned with you know you someone's going to gonna mug you, someone's going to you know what area of town am I in? That's right. Is this the dangerous area? Town? Yeah, I got to get out of here. That's and then, right. ooh, look at that guy. He's, those two guys are fighting over right, there. Right, and right, that right. scares you. You don't get that. This relaxation was was, right. it was a wonderful thing for. I, I noticed this wonderful sense of freedom is too strong a word. Anyway, peacefulness. But it was. It was. Let me ask you this. Tranquility Ron. or something like Ron, that. When was it? When was it that you really became? When did you become? Did you? When you first came here, did you say I'm going to live here? No. How long did it take before you decided this is going to be home? How many years? Well, I suppose it would be after the first decade. Took you about ten years before you. Yeah. And um, so, how did it hit you? When did you sit uh, back? Did you have the a children? Were, you know, I was married. The children were young. Uh, well, how had long had you been married? How long were you here before you got married? Uh, I was here, I guess, f uh, five years, and then we got married. Okay. Um, um, it was after graduate school. That was three years. Then a, a year in Utsunomiya, that's four years. Four or five years. Okay. Four or five years. And um, the, the Japanese was gradually improving. And the, the year in Utsunomiya, that, in spite of me studying a lot of Japanese in California, and as I mentioned, I, I studied in California. I had my management job that I started Japanese, and then I quit that job and I moved to Oakland for six months and then San Francisco, and I had another job. And in San Francisco, uh, this is kind of strange, but I had a job and then they laid me off, which is a kind of a painful experience, but it was wonderful because I went over to San, San Francisco State, walked into the language lab or the Japanese class and just sat down. And in those days, that's exactly when President Nixon, uh, uh, how do I say it, um, uh, uh, accepted China, mainland China as main China, recognized China, so he's recognizing China. So there's this huge Chinese, let's say, uh, enrollment. I mean, hundreds of people are study, wanting to study Chinese. Nobody wants to study Japanese. So they were begging people to come in. So I just walked in, Lance, I didn't even edit the class. I just walked in, sat down. Administration didn't know I existed. I said, do you mind if just, I just sit here? I'm not a student, I don't want to bother you or anything like, I'm not a student, do you mind? There's three people there who said, sure, if you want to sit down and you want to get involved, sure, if you want to, go ahead and sit. The teachers didn't care. Administration, if they would have known, they would have slit my throat. Right. But, but, but um, and, and I, I had my contract to come to Japan. I had my contract to come to So I'm just study. I don't need a degree. I don't need even an audit certificate. I don't, I don't need anything. I just want the language. And they were so welcoming to me.
They gave me a language lamb card so I could use the language uh, language lab. They they told me which textbooks so I could go down to the bookstore and buy well, used Japanese textbooks. So I'm following along the lexicon and we're going through the dialogues together. And I did that for six months. And that was a golden thing. I went away with four textbooks of which I completed two of them. I failed myself twice. I, d I didn't think I was doing well, so I just said, I'm gonna, the first one I did three, this first textbook I did three times. And then got comfortable and comfortable, and then I went to the second one. And the, and the third and the fourth, I did here. I just brought my textbook. Now I know the le lesson plans. I know how I want to learn, so all I need is I find a Japanese person who is maybe an English teacher, let her be my Japanese teacher, and I would dictate to her the lesson plan. Is she who you became your wife? No. Okay. No, this is all in Utsunomiya. <laughs> this is all in Utsunomiya. But anyway, the interesting point that I'm trying to make here, if you want it, education can be free. Well, even more it so now, free. <laughs> more so now than ever before, because the Internet's made it free. Yeah, I think now. you need good teaching and r good counseling to figure you some, out. Right, how you, you gotta, there's two things you've got to learn. One is you've got to be able to acquire and distribute information. So you've got to learn how to read and write, and you've got to how to speak and hear. And listening, we all forget about that, but that's important too. Once you get that ability to do that in, in great detail, then you can start to figure out what you want to do. But if you don't have those skills, you don't know what's out there, and you don't know what you have to offer. You really, so I, you're stumbling around for a lot. So anyway, so I, I learn that, then I figure out what I want to do. And mine, as I say, it's business, and then business management, and then international business. And then after that, I went into sales. And I went into sales training. And that's where I went all my travels. Most of the travels I've been was mostly sales training related. So what, what company were you with when you started doing that? Uh, I went to, uh, getting back to my story, right. I, I was living in Kitaku in Akabana, coming to Sofia University. My next door neighbor in Akabana was a, a top executive in Isuzu Motors. So basically he hired me. So I graduated from Sofia University, and as I say, I'm getting to know that whole community because of the Sento, the public bath. So I always like to joke that Tokyo is not a large city. It's just thousands of villages. And they're all centered around wherever the public bath is. And that's your community. If there's a public bath over there, you're a foreigner. And you have these little communities. Well, anyway, part of my community was this guy in, Is in Isuzu Motors. He introduced me to Isuzu Motors. Then I started working for Isuzu Motors, and then shortly after that is when I got married. Oh. I knew I was going to be stable, and uh, I guess, as I say, in the first eight, ten years within Isuzu Motors, I would say ten years in Isuzu Motors, then I got the feeling that, in answer to your earlier question, that I really wanted to stay here. Mm -hmm. And stay here, it's because I can achieve more. I can achieve more here. And we always think about, you know, people are asking you, what do you like about Japan? What do you hate about Japan? What do you like about America? What do you hate about America? And I think that's the wrong question. Okay. The key question is, all places have weaknesses and strengths. How can you get one country or one community or one individual helping another one who's extremely different? 
So, Tell me, what so do you think? So for me, it's the Americans. How can they work better with the Japanese? That's the important question. Ron, Figure that this. out. Tell me this, Ron. What would you think are the weaknesses and the strengths of America? You, 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 can, you can watch the news and get the obvious ones. Okay. Crime issues and such. That's a weakness. Crime issues is a weakness. The ability to affiliate and to, let's say, uh, organize is a weakness in comparison to the Japanese. Uh, but the Americans' development, development is just wonderful. The Japanese don't have the level of interaction and idea kicking around, uh, the creativity, the exploration, such. They don't have that kind of level. But they're extremely good in systems. So they'll run with your idea. And, and one of the things I learned here when I was in graduate school is the Japanese are really picking up, picking up quality ideas from around the world and they're just systemizing them and doing them better. So they do better in manufacturing because it's system related, better in organizing, better in, uh, just like the trains that go around Tokyo, you know, the train that I came in here, I didn't know it, but I went through three or four companies. And they're all buying and selling to each other. We go on the same line and may, we may go through two companies. Mm. And we don't know it. But they've all affiliated and worked <clears> with each other and getting lines together. And that is not a, uh, uh, you, you, I'm going to sell you something. You, you get development people together. You, it's a, a very, very complicated thing. So they organize extremely well in such. Uh, but, you know, they're, they're not as exciting as us Californians with our crazy <laughs> ideas and such. And that's where I thought, and when I started work for Isuzu Motors, as I mentioned, for the first five years I was in the personnel department very, very unhappy. I wanted to get into international, relation, uh, international sales, international projects and such, and all they wanted me to do was teach English and do some other things. So I struggled for the first, I guess it's three to five years. And then, uh, interestingly, top management wanted to say, uh, most of the, I don't know, most of the automobile companies in Japan owned their dealership. Did you know that? Yes, well, most yes, of them are yes. owned by the dealership. So you have a dealership somewhere, but it's actually it's owned by the manufacturer. It's not uh, Jim Smith Chevrolet and Jim Smith's family owns the Chevrolet and he's a franchisee. He buys from General Motors, obviously, his Chevrolet. There's not independent, their own stores here. With that own store characteristics, they can set up training programs for their dealers because their dealers are an internal subsidiary, right? Not an independent company. And, and in the United States, as you know, they'll have multi-franchise, so I'll have a Toyota dealership, he'll have a Chevrolet dealership, he'll have a Porsche dealership, and that's what you call a mega dealer, so he's multi-franchise. So I, as a manufacturer, I don't want to train him because he's selling other brands too, not my brand. But in Japan, the brand, uh, the, the branches, the retail store is owned by the manufacturer and they sell only that brand. So you prov they provide a lot of training for salesman training, service training, parts training, all kinds of training there. Mm -hmm. and, and top management within Isuzu Motors said, we want to provide that same kind of training around the world to our dealers. Armed with that, and, and by the way, in those days, General Motors owned 
30% of Isuzu Motors. Right. So mm. we're selling through an Isuzu truck, an Isuzu vehicle would sell through a General Motors channel, they would sell through their own international channel, and they would, they, they would sell for, it, it's called, it was a joint venture with General Motors handling the developing world. And this is strictly complete vehicles sold. Others may be assembly plants and you're assembled overseas. And you had these, these three channels. Now those channels had to have some kind of sales skills to sell the product. And when you go through this long chain of you've got a, a main manufacturer, he sells to assembler. The assembler has local content in there from, from the local country. He sells to a dealer. Within the dealer, the, the dealer owner doesn't sell the vehicle. The dealer owner's employee, his salesman, sells the vehicle. And that is the only guy that, that talks talk to the user. Now, how do I get the salesman over here, the retail salesman, to sell to the user? How do I get him to know the product and find the customer and find out who the competitor is? The manufacturer wanted to offer him training. So you cut through all this chain and you go right to the salesman who sells to the user. That's what I did. And that's what mm -hmm. took me to over 60 countries worldwide. Wow. In Africa, the Middle East, Southeast Asia, Latin America, most of the developing country needed that kind of training. They did not know the product, so they can't sell it. They didn't know the competitor's product. They didn't know their product. They didn't know the new version to the used version, and they didn't know the customer. So that's what I had to do. Mm. That was my challenge. And they, they asked me, can you help us out in the training department just once a week? So I'm doing my English training job, English training job, and I had this one sales support for overseas sales over here. And then I had another overseas administration, and that's where I did copyright for magazines and rewriting speeches and, and, and uh, doing, let's say, I'm editing a, or I'm going to be a, the support for a narration of a video. All that marketing. That, right. I was doing all that marketing Were you the support. only foreigner So I had three deaths. In those days, yes. How long, how long was it before they had someone else come in? Oh, they tried to replace me because I didn't want to do the English teaching job and they replaced him and that must have been um, six, seven years later. Okay. They had a lot of General Motors people around that were working didn't for stay General Motors. They'd come for a while and then they'd leave. They'd come for a while and leave and of course they weren't Japanese speakers. Right. They had to have interpreters and stuff. So how long did you stay with the company? 17? 21. 21 years. Yeah. So now you're retired. Yeah. And then how long have you been retired? How long have you been retired? Well, after I left I Isuzu Motors, I worked for another okay. company. Okay. And I was in sales training. Interestingly, I never sold a vehicle in Isuzu Motors. Only provided training to the dealers, and the dealers placed the order in the sales department. The sales department got the order. Mm -hmm. I'm in a training department. I get nothing. Mm -hmm. So a fascinating thing is my department had no budget, but the sales department did. So my boss couldn't travel, but I could travel because they knew if I went to a country, I gave sales training. Those salesmen are getting active. They're finding customers and they're making sales. The sales department gets the order. They want more of that. Right. So it was continually going on and on and on and on. And as I say, I think I did that within the 21 years. I think it was sales training about 16, 17 years, okay. something like that. So the next company was? The company was called Unica. 
U N I K A. That's yeah. a cutting tool manufacturer. Okay. You know what a drill bit is. You drill a hole in concrete right, right, and you drill a hole in wood. And that. Right, right, right. Okay, a drill bit. And there are different kind of drills. Some will go through steel and such. So I was in, the, it was a drill, just the bit, not the power tool, just the bit. It was a manufacturer in Tokyo, a very, very small company. And they sold a little bit in Southeast Asia and over in Korea. The guy, a guy in Korea would come over to the distributor here, buy some, and then after a certain period of time, started buying from the manufacturer. What was your job? My job was overseas sales. Okay, not so training, but overseas sales. Okay. And we found the biggest markets were the United States and Europe for that product. Not Africa, so I changed. Isuzu Motors was Africa, the Middle East, right. Latin America. That was the developing world experience. Then I moved to Unica. This is the industrialized world. They couldn't afford, the developing world couldn't afford these products. Mm. And, and, and they wouldn't need that pr product. So to after be you finished with Unica, was that the last company you worked with? Yes. Then you retired from there? Yes. What are you doing now? Let's get to where you are now. Are you? Now I am um, I'm writing articles. I'm giving speeches. I'm pretty much self-employed like right. you. Um, and my biggest challenge and my biggest, uh, say, fatigue is I'm in the, uh, how do I say it, healthcare professional. And I have two daughters, as I mentioned, and my youngest daughter is married and has two daughters. My oldest daughter has, is, is handicapped. Okay. So we so have to take that. care of her. So yes. I, and that's one of the things in Japan, so I know the facility for taking care of handicapped people because I'm involved in that community. From and birth? Huh? From birth she was handicapped? From birth, yes. Okay. Uh, she uh -huh. just, you know, could, so she always had to go to special schools and such. That and must have been very difficult, kind of difficult in Japan, do you think? Well, you would, know, you would not know because you've never lived with your I don't daughter know how to anywhere compare. else. No. So you cannot compare with I that. don't compare. I must admit <laughs> uh, they do a good a job, That's pretty right, good job do. with my daughter. Yes. And now with my wife and such, they're doing a pretty good job with her, mm -hmm. and I'm playing a stronger and stronger role of taking care of house, domestic stuff. Mm -hmm. I'm doing more driving. I never drove. As a matter of fact, I don't know, us in California, we grew up in cars. I know you maybe you like your motorcycles. Both. It's I did both. Uh, okay. Well, my father had a car yeah, all right. I, yeah. I apologize in advance, no, no, no. but I have never been a car guy. Yeah. I've never, I've never liked to drive as mm -hmm. a hobby. I had a motorcycle for a few years because of, this was in San Jose when I was a student. Uh, San Jose, just to shoot around the city mm -hmm. uh, for a few years, they had a motorcycle, but that was just a short period of time. Mm -hmm. But I felt uh, being in a car was like being in a prison. <laughs> and uh, and yeah, I was driving in high school, an old car that I had to fix to keep rolling. Uh, and so with, with, you know, the grease in your nails and all that that's stuff. The only thing I, that's the only thing I did not like about working on my motorcycle or the car. But when I was young, it didn't matter because it was just me and I rode with some other guys. And then your nails constantly stayed dirty, even if you cleaned because you couldn't get it out. I know. Unless you got the special type of cleaner they had, which I didn't find out about until later. Ron, before I end the podcast, there's a question I always ask everyone. This is it. If you could go back in time knowing what you know now, and meet the younger Ron, what advice would you give him, and how old would he be? 
Yeah, you asked Randall that, and I didn't know how to answer it then, and I don't know how to answer it now. I, I, would, I would guess I would I'd go back to the most traumatic area of my life. Um, how old were you then? In high school. Okay, so you could Okay, be... I'm in high school, and I was not a happy guy. Uh, I was bitter about my father not being interested in me because he had his other world. Um, and maybe the advice that I would give that guy is your family is not necessarily your biological family. So I had coaches that were really very helpful. At Sophie University here I had teachers that are extremely helpful and I know them now. They're well in their 80s. Um, so you can find people who will support you and don't be um, disappointed and you won't know where that next uh, asset will come from. Uh, and I was unhappy and during the Vietnam War uh, era when I was in San Jose before I joined the Army Reserves, it, it took me a good hour and a half to two hours to get to sleep every night. I was not into drugs or anything like that, but I was under a tremendous amount of stress. And if I could here again tell that little boy, don't worry about it. you will get through this. And in the strangest places, you're going to have someone to support you. And it, it, you won't know where it'll come from. I've had people walking down the street here in Japan, and they give me wonderful advice I never dreamed of but I can remember their points to now. Uh, so maybe that would be the advice to maybe reduce my earlier year's stress. This is probably where. Oh, okay. Thank you so much, Ron. That couldn't be better, better advice than that. That was good. great. Good, I just made it up on the spot. That's man. good. I want to thank all of you for watching this podcast and for listening. And remember, it's all on loan, so continue to reach for the stars because you are too blessed to be stressed.